Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, in magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... <laughs> so incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet Doctor Who star David Tennant and Lord of the Rings star Elijah Wood June 1st through the 3rd in Des Moines, Iowa. Then meet Aquaman Jason Momoa and Luke Cage's Mike Coulter June 8th through the 10th in Columbus, Ohio. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDARE at checkout (laughs) to get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, The internet? Oh, good answer. Really? No! Wizard World Comic Con. Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. Rangers, this is Zorda. It's time for another episode of the Canned Air Podcast. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, returning to the show, actually, I think this visit to the show gets him a free sub, if I uh, am correct, <laughs> yeah. but here to talk about his uh, new book, Oddities, that just came out. You probably know him best, though, as Zordon from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. We welcome back David J. Fielding. David, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me on, Pandas. Oh, nice. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We have a good show lined up for you today. We're going to be in our retro roundtable uh, doing what we, I think, do best when we have David on the show, and that's just talk our uh, superhero movies that have come out since we last had him on, which was August of 2016, so... Been a bit. Yeah, we got a lot to cover. I just wish we had more to discuss. You know, it's such a barren <laughs> field, these films. <laughs> Then we're going to be turning our attention over to David to talk about uh, his new book, Oddities, which I am I am excited, excited to talk about. So, uh, But before we do all that, Jake. You should probably head on down to Twitter, where you can find at CandarePod, giving you all the latest episodes, funny pictures, jokes, and assorted strange musings. Also on Instagram, at Canned underscore Air, serving much the same purpose. Purpose. Much the same purpose. And if you like what we do, head on down to Patreon. Throw a couple of bucks a month our way, hit that $5 or more mark, and you have access to the Founders Club exclusive Patreon podcast. Yes, sir. And Candair is now getting you that 10% off your Wizard yes, World tickets once again. Ah, finally. finally, the stars align. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the next show, Jack? Uh, Des Moines, Iowa coming up. It will be, what, this coming weekend by the time this posts. And then yes. Columbus the weekend after that. So Yeah, so oh, if man. you plan on going to either of those shows, that's checkout on wizardworld.com. Use CANDARE, no space. Uh, I think it's all caps now, right? Yeah, they fixed it. Yeah, so uh, just CANDARE, all caps, no space. Get that cool 10% off. Escape your tragic existence in Des Moines, Iowa for at least a couple days <laughs> with the help of Candare. You're welcome. 
So with that, let's kick off our retro round table. I am All right. I am super stoked to have this conversation. So Not a fan. <laughs> right. And I especially yeah. comic book movies. I must <laughs> warn people there are probably going to be spoilers all throughout this, as That's I imagine we're going to be talking uh, Deadpool 2 and Infinity War. So uh, you've been warned. So let's start off by just uh, asking David, I guess, you know, since August 2016, what's been your favorite superhero movie to be released? Uh, the ones from 2000, you know, from six, 2016 till now. I'll probably. Say with Black Panther. Uh, Good choice, absolutely. You know, it was I mean, because it's you know it's something that's that's has been long overdue, and it, and it was it was really fun and, and really well put together, and just it was just a, a really it was a joy to watch that movie. I think that's my favorite since the, you know since the last time we talked. I'd have to uh, probably agree. It's right yeah. up there as one of mine as well. And the one thing it did right, uh, which I I think. Well, one of the many things it did right, not the one thing it did right, but one of the many things it did right, which is the same thing that uh, Infinity War did, was they made an amazing villain. They mm-hmm. made a villain that yeah. you can relate to that just isn't hell-bent on power or something. Right. You know, there's you can put yourself in those shoes and relate. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, any, any story of, of that ilk, I mean, your, your hero is only as good as your villain, and when your villain is that, you know... Well defined and and his game is right up there in the top. It just elevates the hero and and right. uh, Killmonger as a as a as a character was you know completely justified in his reasons for doing what he did. I mean you know he was still uh, a murderer uh, and and a violent almost tyrannical leader. But I mean you understood his motivations. You understood why. Mm-hmm. And and that's, the other the other great thing about Black Panther for me is that it's. It's very Shakespearean. I mean, it's it's you know royalty and family drama, and and it was just really, really up. You know, they elevated the game with that movie. They really did, absolutely. And and you know, I I think one of my favorite things about the movie is that it could have fallen apart so many times. The way it was marketed, the way things developed, it, it could have easily become this divisive thing where you've got people accusing it of one thing on the other. And, saying, oh, it's just this, it's just that. But everyone could kind of agree. It was unanimous, like, guys, this is really good. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest triumph, is people talk about what a what a cultural move forward this is. And it totally is. And that's because it's such a good movie in its own right. Sure. That it's, it's able to attain that. You know, yeah. you can't manufacture something like that. Right. Even if that's your intent, you've got to be sure the movie itself is solid, and it totally was. And when you were watching Infinity War and they, you know, Captain America's like, you know, I, I know somewhere we can go. And they go to Wakanda. I mean, and the music kicks in. You're didn't like, you ah. just get so excited. <laughs> yeah. like, yes. There's still something about Black I, I, Panther that I, think, I didn't like very much. And I, I don't know what it is. Well, I kind of know what it is, but it's uh, the technology, the spaceships flying around. And I know that Wakanda is like technicon technologically super advanced. Mm-hmm. But something maybe it's because of too much. All the, yeah, it had to have been because of you saw Guardians all the spaceships and stuff, and then Ragnarok. Sure, they're flying around in ships, and then you get Black Panther. It just I don't know, didn't sit well with me. It was a good movie. The story was good. Loved all the characters in it, but just yeah. something about that movie. Hmm. 
I mean, I guess I can kind of see what you're saying. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've, I didn't experience that feeling with this movie, but I, well, you know, the Iron Man suit in Infinity War kind of bugged me. I mean, the whole nano te- oh, yeah. technology mm. it just kind of appears, and I don't know. I enjoyed the old kind of clunky Transformer, you know, suit yeah. get coming on him. It just seems too easy. To There's do the something kind of viscerally satisfying about overlapping metal plates. Yeah. You know, what is it? I don't know. It just, it just feels right. It I does. wondered when they were going to get into the nano because his suit is nano now, like sure. with the. Well, I, what I find interesting about Tony Stark in, in these movies is that uh, I forget the name of the term uh, that they use for uh, computer chip manufacturing, but I mean, you know, it, it doubles every two years, you oh, know, yeah. the, the, to make it smaller, make it faster, make it better. Sure. And and Tony seems Tony seems to keep pace with that. I mean, every time he every time <laughs> you see him, he's got something new. He's always uh, advancing it, but. Uh, I was I was very weary of Stark Tech like six movies ago. It's like, uh, does everything have to be Stark Tech? Yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, he's he's a cornerstone of of the MCU uh, universe, so it, it makes sense that his stuff kind of bleeds over into everything else. But I mean, I you know I I get it. I mean the where's the sort of explanation of where this stuff comes from? And it's just. The blanket magic statement of, well, Tony made it. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. He's always down in his basement, tinkering right. around, yeah. making new stuff. You know, I, I, I hope I don't uh, give the impression that I don't like the suit, because the suit was cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. It, it loses something. I think I just hated the whole slow mo scene where he's looking into the camera and takes his glasses <laughs> off just in time for the helmet to form around his eyes. I'm like, ah, come on! I'll tell you what I thought was really clever, though. I think I may have mentioned this before. I liked in the Thanos fight on the ruins of Titan when his suit was getting obliterated, just pierced yeah. and blasted. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he was drawing those nanites or whatever they were from different parts of his body to patch up the holes. Mm-hmm. Had this kind of desperate reactive defense thing. I thought that was a nice touch because it really heightened the tension. Right. You're like he's not invulnerable all the way around anymore. You see all these little weaknesses opening up. And sure. It was it was a it was a cool way to um to utilize that idea cinematically, mm-hmm. even if it's, you know, they could have achieved the same thing just by blowing off chunks of his old armor. You know? Right. You know, what's kind of funny is Ryan Reynolds got so much crap being a Green Lantern and his suit being all CG. And I don't know if it was practical at all on. I, I can't imagine there Iron was Man too much suit. that was physically there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. But well, nobody I mean, has really said anything about, well, here's a fake Iron Man suit. I'm it's sure any CG. of the scenes where he's out of his helmet are probably actual oh, sure. real suits. But, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, that, <laughs> that whole scene I was just mentioning. Yeah. Since we're already on the topic, i got to ask, David, what did you think of Infinity War? Uh, I loved it. Uh, I've seen it twice. Uh, the The first time I sat through it, it, it didn't feel like three hours at all. It just... It just <laughs> It just went by, and you know you were so sucked into it. And uh, I saw it on the Thursday night before it officially opened. Uh, I, I know that it had opened like a week before in, in England, and there were other previews in LA and something like that. But where I'm where I'm at, it it opened like the Thursday night before the official Friday opening. So I saw it that night, and I saw it with a fairly large crowd in the theater, and it, it was great to you know to be in a theater with. Uh, you know, fans of of the franchise and 
And it's the first time in a long time that I've been in the theater where the audience vocally reacted uh, to, to things that were happening in the movie. That, that last 25-minute sequence was just one gasp of, after the other of, of things that were happening. And, mm. and I, I was going to say, you know, in relation to Black Panther, I think that the, the storytelling and the script for Infinity War, you know, took some of that grandeur, that, that Shakespearean um, consequence heavy stuff and, and put that into the story. And, and Infinity War couldn't have happened without the, the long road leading up to it. You know, these, these right. 10 years, these 16 films leading up to this thing and, and having followed it all the way through and sit there in the theater and to see the culmination of that was really a, a, a great experience, you know, to just be in the moment with that. And it was done really well uh, as far as the way these movies have trained you to think that, you know, the heroes will always triumph. You know, they'll, they'll get to a point where things get really, really low mm-hmm. and you don't think, you know, they're going to make it. And, you know, then they finally do. And they kind of did that with this movie. They kind of led you up to the point where like, oh, you know, oh, they're going to rescue it. And then smacked you right in the face with, <laughs> no, it's not going to happen that way. And I, I thought it ended on an appropriately... WTF moment and you know and people are like we can't wait a year for Avengers 4 <laughs> yeah well you know? you know it's funny you say you know a three hour movie and you're captivated the whole time it's funny how at the end of that three hours when you do see those credits you're like oh no, what? no. already no, no. Well, already how yeah. is this possible yeah. but yeah, yeah. um I just love what that movie did for Thanos. I mean, everyone oh, everyone man. is saying it's, this is Thanos mo- Thanos's movie, and it and for good definitely reason. is. But it's the first time where I've liked what the movie has really done a lot more than the comic. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think it's a. It explores those same concepts. Mm-hmm. It doesn't a very streamlined isn't the word because I feel like that kind of suggests they took elements away from it but like did a little bit yeah a very a very um logical kind of easy to digest fashion you know without all of the sort of comic bits and pieces you get with manipulation of this and time and reality where I I think in a lot of comic storylines things tend to get a little convoluted Mm -hmm. you know they just how they made his wiping out half of existence seem like this is my life's work this is what I'm passionate about I'm carrying this burden that no one else can where in the comic it's just like oh hey I'll kill half of existence to uh, impress you babe yeah Yeah. it's (laughs) it 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 dignifies it yeah. in, a, in a really unsettling way because you walk away from it you're like oh man I don't know if I disagree with him mm-hmm. you know yeah and it's it's the same thing with Killmonger it's I think exactly heroes and villains like in, in terms of story they all sprout from the same seed the same type of person the same right. set of attributes you introduce loss and then their reaction to that loss determines whether they're a hero or a villain, and the best villains are the ones who believe they are the heroes. Your yeah. Killmonger, your Thanos, mm-hmm. the ones who are just trying to right what they perceive as these great wrongs. And God, in which sometimes in Killmonger's case, I mean, definitely uh, was dude, wrong. The dude was wrong. Like, <laughs> he had every right to was be as mad not as he did. Yeah, he I a can't imagine away, but... a scenario where I wouldn't react the same way, oh, assuming yeah. I was some perfectly physically fit. You know, sure. Expert mercenary with a hundred confirmed kills, <laughs> instead of yeah, a doughy nerd. <laughs> speaking to that, I mean, uh, I saw a bunch of people on online and on Twitter and on message boards and stuff who were 
really giving Star Lord a lot of crap for for you know what happened on oh, Titan. Yeah. And uh, you know, I disagree with that that notion that that Star Lord uh, screwed the pooch for everybody. I, I thought I thought he acted completely with it completely within character. He, and, and if it had been anybody else, they would have reacted the same way. And uh, if it, it you know them you know hollering about Star Lord you know not being able to maintain his cool, it's like yeah, but Tony didn't maintain his cool during Civil War either. So you know. When it's your family member, when it, when it's a blood relative, when it's somebody you love and care for deeply, and that happens, you're not thinking straight. You're right. just not. Well, yeah, his dad yeah. killed his mom. He watched his mom die. He had to kill his dad. Yeah. His stepdad, Yondu, he died right in front of him too. Okay, I mean, now the love of his life. Tr- he pulled the trigger on Gamora. He was going to kill her. Yeah. And then Thanos turns, you know, everything into bubbles, and and you know. For him to be ready to do that and then learn that Thanos turned around and did it himself, his whole, you know, reason for existence is shattered. Yeah. It's absolutely not out of character. Hmm. Yeah, I have to agree. It's uh, People are acting like it's this big stretch. <laughs> Try to put yourself in those shoes. Tell yeah. me you wouldn't do the same thing. And the other thing, like, in defense of, of his actions is Doctor Strange saw this happening. This is the one, right? Mm-hmm. The, the one reality oh, yeah. where they come out on top. So he's like, all right, no, he's going to do this, but that's all going to play into the final result. So everything's kind of happening the way it should. Sure. You know, it's not like if he hadn't done that, they would have won. It was never going to play out that way. And let me just comment on that particular scene that we're talking about where, you know, Star-Lord goes crazy and is hitting him in the face. Yeah. Mantis is trying to subdue him. That scene and they is get just, the glove off. They actually get the glove off, which is yes. awesome. Yes, <laughs> yep. that scene is gorgeous. I mean, not only what they've constructed, but the CG work oh, when it's dude. close up on him, like when he's baring his teeth and like looking into his it's mouth. Real. Yeah. It's real. human. It looks you know? real. It is so good. And I know a lot of people are talking about the his skin tone and the shape of his face, mm-hmm. kind of moving away from that really comic book true Thanos we saw like the end of the first Avengers. The big purple monkey. The, yeah, they wouldn't yeah. have been able to pull off a scene like that if they had kept it. The the fact that it was so so much closer to Josh Brolin's face. Yeah. The emotion was there. God, you know? it was good. And man, what, what an awesome illustration of just the power of this entity that scene was. You know, where yeah. you see people that you have been told like, oh, these guys, these are the ones that get things done. These are the heroes. They're the guardians of the galaxy, not guardians of the state. You know, that's right. a big territory. <laughs> and and they're struggling. Right. And it, oh, God, so good. If anything, I'd have blamed Mantis for not being able to hold him down. Yeah. Keeping his mind in check the whole get time. Get it together, but, uh, Mantis. Yeah. If you really want to get down to it, if you want to blame somebody, blame Bruce Banner. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. Shit. Tell me about it. I love what they did with, you know, the Hulk and sort of like kind of taking him out of the equation because up until that point, the Hulk is the end game, right? I mean, you know, if you want things to, to end, bring in the Hulk and, and to remove him within the first 10 minutes of the movie and, and you know, not allow him to come into play, I thought that was great. Uh, you know, and, and just... You know, the Hulk being afraid for the first time was was pretty awesome. You know, that's a very interesting point. I they never looked at it like kind of uh, had to do it to up the stakes. Well, I was always kind of like I was thinking since the movie, why did they take the Hulk out? I want to see the Hulk, and I just thought, well, maybe they're just building up to something better. But it's it's that's the truth. You can't have that much power at your disposal all the time when you're taking on something like He's this. He's the nuclear option, you know? right? I didn't think and and, and it's it, you know it's it's a great 
triple moment for, for us as fans watching it because in the first Avengers movie, the Hulk, uh, you know, takes Loki to task and slams him down into the earth five or six times and walks away and does the same thing with Thor and Ragnarok and then it gets done to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can see, oh, <laughs> you know, his he shrivels up a little bit from that, so. Yeah, and like when you see the Hulk in the beginning take after him and the, and the, the Ebony Maul was like, let him have his Whatever. fun. Yeah, yeah, just not a threat. Yeah, yeah it's just like, uh-oh. And he takes, that, he takes that punch right on the chin and the Hulk whimpers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the first time I was like, oh, no. You know, it's one of those things that really hits <laughs> and, 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 you know, <laughs> you know, that really had to hurt because Hulk has been smacked in the face with, you know, Thor's <laughs> yeah. hammer. And that's, you know, that's not something you, you shrug off lightly. And so... Wow, those were precision punches too. Oh, like, yeah, every one of them was awesome. Like in the side, like in his kidneys yep. and shit. Like he was really working him over. It was it was really He's, good. I know it's a pugilist. You raise a great point about the Hulk, but um, one thing that I dislike about it was just how Bruce Banner in that move kind of became a comic relief. They leaned a yeah. little heavy into that. Yeah. And I wasn't big on that aspect. And I that kind of bled over from Thor Ragnarok, which, another perfect movie, if it you ask me. thematically ideal for Ragnarok. They figured out was... what to do with the Thor movies, because those first two oh, were not doing it for me. Right. Ragnarok yeah, I, was... I think I think I would have liked rather had Bruce working with Shuri, uh, trying to get the Mind Stone yes. off of mm-hmm. rather than putting him on the front lines in the suit. I mean... Uh, you know, Bruce is supposed to be up there mentally and, and you know, intelligence-wise up there with, you know, Reed Richards and Tony Stark as far as, like, being genius level. So get him in there, you know, doing what he does best rather than, you know, turning him into a punching bag. Yeah, All right. I, I hadn't thought about that. He's, you've got these dual aspects where you've got the brilliant scientist, the unstoppable physical brute. They take away the brute instead of saying, okay, let's focus on the scientist aspect. They're like... Uh, let's see if we can compensate for the loss of the brute by yeah. putting him in armor. It's like, no, you're wasting half of what makes this character great. I mean, I, I understand why they did it. I understood, you know, it was sort of a fan service moment to bring the Hulkbuster back and, and all, that kind of thing. Sure. And, it, you know, you know, action wise, it, it was very cool. But uh, I think it was I think it was a little bit of a disservice to the character. Agreed. Especially in what well, Age, Age of Ultron, they kept calling Stark and Banner like the science brothers. Because yeah. they made Ultron, Science. and yeah. then when he comes back and Tony's just like, oh my god, Bruce is back. You're like, yes, the Science Brothers are back together. And no, then that was really no it. No science. Yeah. The first Avengers was on television the other night, and I watched some of it. And it's amazing how much these characters have evolved and changed since that movie. And um, I, I just was really gravitating toward uh, Bruce Banner a lot more in that movie than I was in Infinity War. You know, yeah. he was just... He was. He seemed not a different character, but there's definitely a different tone happening. They really had now. a handle on him in yeah. the first event. And I was, if I'm not mistaken, it was Edward Norton before that, and then Avengers was the first time we see Mark Ruffalo. Correct. Right. Correct. And and I remember thinking to myself like, oh, it's going to be kind of weird. No, it no, wasn't yeah. weird. I was like, yeah. this is the Hulk. This is Bruce Banner. Brooke has trouble seeing uh, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner. Yeah. She can't get behind it. And. Um, I don't know. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed him. Yeah. I like him better than uh, Edward Norton. I love yeah. Edward Norton. I don't do get too. me wrong. And that I was don't a know good if movie. I liked him in that role. 
Let me ask you something, because when I look at lists of movies from the MCU, is that movie, the Edward Norton Hulk, considered one of like the MCU lineup? Because they doesn't yes, the, it is. It is. Yeah, it was the first one, I think, wasn't it? Oh, it was the second I, one after Iron Man. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because at the end of the Hulk, Tony Stark shows that's, up. Yeah, that's right. That's like, right. Tony, you always wear such nice suits, you know. I see. Yeah, you're right. I've only ever seen the whole, all the way through in the theater. I actually like the Edward Norton Hulk. I think I think it's a great um, yeah. it's a great character movie. Oh, yeah. uh, the The music is great. the The Hulk theme. I wish they would use more in in the music for the other films. I wish they would bring it back because Craig Armstrong's uh, music that he did for for that movie is is really really good. Um, but as far as um, the the Hulk Ed, Ed Norton's Hulk versus Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, I, I think they've they got better at making the Hulk look more like the Hulk. You know, in the Ed yeah. Norton, yes. still the the skin still looks odd or, or whatever, and uh, he he was less <laughs> as Tony calls him in the Avengers. He was you know Mark. The Mark Ruffalo version is less the big green rage monster than the Edward Norton one was because the the Edward Norton one really is more like a monster Hulk rather than the 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 man Hulk, I guess, if you sure. can make that distinction or whatever. The one that can eventually be somewhat controlled. Yeah. yeah. One thing I miss from the first Hulk is when he would get more mad, he would grow. I always, You're talking yeah. the not the Edward Norton Hulk, no, but the, the one first before Hulk, that. Hulk, yeah, yeah, like the the more pissed off we get like he was like two stories tall at one point yeah i loved that how he got more mad i dug it too but i don't think when you're storytelling you know especially in the case like infinity war like let's just keep pissing him off until he's like three times his size and (laughs) like an infinitely scalable (laughs) (laughs) but um hulk then consumed the world solving all of its problems it's the size of galactus and him and galactus go toe-to-toe yeah (laughs) just a big punching match you know if you don't mind me taking us back and then by doing so in a different direction you're talking about like the precision punches of thanos Mm -hmm. i want to chalk that up to josh brolin who i think has been awesome in every role he's played in recent marvel movies Mm because he's got that body language that works for that type of character, you know, punching with Thanos. And there's a scene in the second Deadpool I always think of when he's busting into the icebox where he kicks open the door and with this, like, really contemptuous flick of the wrist, he just chucks a grenade into the yeah. room. Mm. And he's just standing there. Like, the motion's just like, Ugh. You know, it's nothing to him. He's taken so many lives. And it just had that same Thanos vibe where I was like, this is a being that has been unchallenged for a long time, you know? And I think he's the one who who makes that happen. So, perfect casting. Yeah, I, I, think it's only, I think it's only recently that I, I realized, you know, how uh, Josh is is not as tall as everybody else. It's <laughs> no, <he> <laughs> only like what five nine, five ten, or something, something like that. Like that, yeah. Uh, so for him to like be somebody like Thanos, who's like fifteen feet tall, and then uh, take on Cable, uh, <laughs> which you know was awesome to see. I think in the comic he's taller than Deadpool, but in in the movie he's <laughs> he's a head tall, head shorter or something. Didn't they didn't even, even mention that, that in Deadpool. He's like he's yeah. actually just like five nine. He's not six. Not like, like in seven the comics. Foot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't catch that one. Yeah, it's hilarious. That. Well, since we've already uh, begun to touch on it, uh, David, what'd you think of uh, Deadpool two? Uh, I I laughed a lot. I really loved the first Deadpool movie. There were a lot of things I really enjoyed about Deadpool two, but I I, I liked Deadpool one better. 
I think I might and I agree. Don't, I think that's bit. because uh, I'm not sure if the budget served them well. You know, they, could, they got more money for the second one, and they did more with it, and there's lots more special effects and fights and stuff, but Deadpool 1 was so fun, and the way it was, the story was presented, you know, in sort of flashback, back and forth kind of stuff, and just really a lot of fun. And, and I think this one the meta aspects of Deadpool just kind of were so meta. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. The movie starts off with one of the cliches that I hate about sequel movies. You know, the the sole motivation for the male hero is to have the female romantic interest removed. And, you know, to me, that's that's such a weak choice. But at the same time, Deadpool, Deadpool 2 turns that on its head and acknowledges that they're doing that thing, um, you know, in the credits. It's like, oh, my God, did they just kill her? I can't believe they just did that, you know, and, and they kind of take that trope and use it and then flip it. And I think there was other ways they could have done it. But considering the ending of it, it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> right. That was my problem yeah. with it at first. I was like, oh, they're going to kill her off, and now it's going to be another vengeance movie of him getting back at whoever. Sure. But then it ended up turning around and being something totally different. And we had kind of talked before uh, Jake got here about how similar it looks to the comics when he was visiting her in that afterworld, how mm-hmm. similar it kind of looks yeah, to him in the yeah. comics visiting Lady Death yeah. and stuff. So it just makes me wonder... They're aware of their source material. Right. If Or if they're going to and like keep her as a character just in like some nether, hope so. nether realm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I believe she gets powers. Her, her character gets powers in the book. I think. I can't remember. Yeah, a friend of mine was telling me she becomes a, a fairly pivotal... Oh, mutant. really? Yeah, yeah. She has some kind of latent power set. I can't remember what She's it is. Though. Copycat was her name. Is that it? Yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm almost positive that's what it is. I always doubt myself but i think that's what it is oh okay so i'm not guessing anything <laughs> I, I, find, I found myself a number of times in deadpool like kind of getting angry about stuff they were doing and then like in in the same very instance going oh i understand why they did that <laughs> right so uh like the whole x-force thing um <laughs> was like oh it's such a great build-up and here we go we're gonna see these guys in what <laughs> <laughs> The movie needs more Terry Crews, and you just removed him. Oh, yeah. How <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> Didn't he have a different name, though, before they settled on X-Force? Didn't he say a different name that was ridiculous? No, I, I think it was... I think It was, was going to be, like, non-gender bias. It well, was, he said, like, we're, we're progressive. We're non-gender specific. Yeah. We are X-Force. And then Domino's like, isn't that a little derivative? And he's like, I didn't ask you, Peter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back and see what I was thinking. But, about. you know, yeah. I, I remember seeing... Now, there's a, a website I used to go to whenever I was having a bad day full of all of Rob Leefield? 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 I don't know. The artist who made Deadpool. I, I never know how to pronounce it. All of his worst art, his Not most yet. egregious anatomical abominations, most horrible everything... And it's incredible. And and Shatterstar is one of those characters that I hate every aspect of. <laughs> and so when I saw him in the movie, I was like, no way they're doing this. How are they going to make him acceptable? Oh, it's by grinding him up instantly. <laughs> I like the nice little uh, Brad Pitt cameo, too. <laughs> yeah, so weird. Was that a vanishing? Okay. Yeah. I'm glad somebody said it happened so fast. I was like, was that? Yeah, Did like as quickly is? as I thought, like, is that Brad Pitt? I thought, yeah, he ain't doing this. And so <laughs> it's Brad. 
It's Brad. Well, it's like when and Matt Damon cameoed in uh, Thor Ragnarok. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. he's in Deadpool 2. What's that? Matt Damon is in Deadpool 2. Really? Is I, I missed that. Yeah, he's he's one of the two rednecks that can that that cable tasers. <laughs> they're oh talking God. about uh, their toilet, their toilet. That's the what other it is. manners. Uh, Alan Tudyk. That's it really. Oh my God! I have to go back and watch that. I, I don't remember. A friend of mine was talking about like, did you catch the bit with the two guys talking about toilet paper? I'm like, the part where cable shows up. Like, yeah. Did you see what was cool about it? I'm like. I don't know. They got tased. Like, and I saw it twice now. And the second time I was being extra vigilant, I'm like, what's interesting about this? I'm looking in the background. I'm focusing everywhere but those two guys again. And that's what it was. That's what it was. Yep. That was Matt too much Gaming. looking Gaming. at two rednecks talking about their toilet manners yeah. and how they <laughs> use toilet paper. It was so funny. Uh, I, don't, I missed that part. You, get a hand, you wipe and do it a, once time and then... <laughs> Lexus dry a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, oh my god. Okay. It was. Uh, how about I gotta ask about Logan because that was oh, been yeah. one of my all time mm. favorites in a long time. Uh, Logan was awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, um, when when Deadpool opened the, the door for R rated films uh, in the super superhero genre, I mean, it, it just made perfect sense and. It, it's just really well told that story. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, really, really well done. I feel bad. I have only seen it the one time. Oh, Same really? Here. Yeah, yeah. I've I've actually been a little bit afraid to go back. I'm like, <laughs> it was such a good experience. Yeah. Maybe it's better as that one time thing. Oh, it's just as good. Man, it's one of through. those movies that I almost think it's a disservice to call it a comic book movie. Just it feels like you're watching a western. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the feel, and it's so on point. For yeah. oh, and I, it's. Oh. That's the same thing with uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier because it's oh, not a superhero movie. Yeah. It's a it's a '70s spy thriller, uh, yeah. uh, or an espionage movie, really, or or one of those things. It's like Three Days of the Condor, you know. It's uh, one of those type movies, and that's what Logan is. Logan is a, very definitely a western. I mean, it's it's sort of patterned after Shane, and and it, you know, it even has Shane in the movie, and and. Uh, they just did a really, really good job with it, and and to see these characters that you know you've you've loved over the years, you know, deteriorate in, in such a way is like you know very heartbreaking. Oh, it hurts. Sure. And oh, yeah. It was there was a lot of gravity in the theater, like watching him die. Like that's. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it's the first X Men movie I watched that, like, as I'm watching it and as you see him die, like. Not only are you thinking of his path, but you're thinking about like, oh man, like I immediately thought of the first X-Men movie, like going to see it all those years ago and all the movies he's been in since Mm -hmm. and watching this character evolve and grow and we're watching him die. Oh, they knew. They knew you would. Oh, they played me like (laughs) a fucking violin. And you know, it's it's one of those things that like for me personally, it just, I I get so upset when things change dramatically in a setting. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll give you... I know you guys aren't big Harry Potter fans. I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan, but I like the movies. Sure. Seeing, like, all of these horrible conflicts and stuff befall the school and it getting, like, physically deteriorated hurts for me. I'm like, no! Everything was so perfect and magical. Yeah. So it's one of those things where when you see the end of something, the finality of a particular storyline... I can't handle it. I'm like, no, it can't be real. It can't end. And I just can't deal with it. When change. Dobby died, it hit me pretty hard. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, no, no. I hated that thing. I was so glad when that thing died. So glad. But um, 
yeah, I never understood the parents in that world. I mean, all the shit that's happened at Hogwarts, they're still parents so eager just to ship their kids off. Barely call there. them parents mm. as irresponsible as they must be. <laughs> hey, there's a magical I mean, death terrorist. Is that commentary on the real world? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what we're going through in this country right now? I mean, you know. Not too far off, is it? The whole concept. It's like instead of sending them to elementary school, they send them to a rifle range where they learn how to handle an array of deadly weapons. Oh, my God. Um, well, that's the school for gifted uh, mutants, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Seriously. School for weaponized children. Let's just call it what it is. Boy, I still have a mighty list of movies here, but the time is dwindling. So I think we had to touch on, before we move on, uh, the DC contributions to the world <laughs> since we last spoke to you, David. And one of which was fantastic. Wonder Woman has kind of been like the, yep. the beautiful flower to grow out of crap. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, those other ones haven't been great. What do you think of Justice League, David? Because... because um... Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman uh, left a bad taste mm -hmm. in in my mouth. Uh, uh, I didn't have any sort of expectations for Justice Justice League, and actually, uh, just you know, it was okay. I, I you know I, I sat through it and I and I watched it, and I've, I've watched it twice since then, simply because it's a superhero movie, and I, I like to watch those things. And uh, I mean, it's got problems, but. Um, it wasn't terrible. I mean, uh, just the same way that I feel like Green Lantern wasn't... <laughs> Green Lantern was no Fantastic Four, okay? Right, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There, there are some fun things about uh, Green Lantern, one of them being Ryan Reynolds, because he's just a fun actor. Oh. Uh, but as far as Justice League, I mean... It, it was perfectly serviceable. The, the problem is that Warner Brothers has not handled that universe very well, and they're they're stumbling and fumbling and and trying to make up ground that they can't make up ground. Uh, the Marvel universe is so far ahead that they, in my opinion, I think they should just stop trying and just concentrate yeah. on, on telling good stories. That's yeah. what you absolutely. Do. Well, that would get them to where they want to be anyway, quicker than what right, they're trying right. to do. You I, know, they've got a they got a threefold problem. You know, they're trying to play the same game Marvel is, without the patience to learn it first. Sure, um, they're chopping up their movies and putting them back together in ways that make almost no sense. I yeah. feel like the best parts of those movies are on the cutting room floor, and what we get is almost incoherent. And they don't make compelling villains. And I think that's the biggest of the three. Well, the, mm -hmm. that's the thing for me. I mean, the stakes, there were no stakes in Justice League. I knew right from the beginning that they were going to win. Yeah. The, you know, it was just a, a matter of, of them going through the motions and getting the point. And, and they suffered, the Justice League movie suffered this from the same problem that the Wonder Woman movie did, is that I didn't care about the villain. Yeah. Yep. Did not care at all. Yeah. And um, it. I don't understand what it is about uh, movies like, and this applies to Marvel too, but but uh, the DC universe as well. It's like if you have what you claim to be deities in your universe, they just remove them as quickly as possible. They they write them out or they 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 turn them into um, 
like an alien race or, or, or something like that, you know, they, they try to get away from the divine aspect of them as quickly as possible and say, uh, well, that's not really what they are rather than sort of doing what would be a better, more acceptable situation was like, the gods just don't care. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Zeus and his, his pantheon have retreated to Mount Olympus and they just don't care. They're not going to pay attention to, to anything that happens on earth at all. And, and, you know, to have Ares kill off everybody in the Greek pantheon, that just, and, and I, to me, that was a bad choice, but I mean, yeah. What, can, what you know, I'm not writing these things, so what can I do? <laughs> and, you know, that same point, I think one of the things that really worked for Wonder Woman, at least at the start, was that the events of the movie happened independent of the villain. The threat yeah, of yeah. Ares was just this vague thing that got her motivated, and I think that's what was best about it. And I think it was incredible when you reached this moment where she, like, she kills Ludendorff, and it's like, oh, there's no Ares. And something we all kind of knew, and then she's got to come to terms with. I thought that was perfect. And then they cheapened it by bringing in a big, large horned CG right. villain for her to fight. I was like, no, you had this great thing going. You know, it, it made perfect sense. Yeah. But and eh. going back to, to Black Panther and Infinity War, uh, Black Panther kind of suffers from, from the same sort of. Uh, villain problem that that a lot of these superhero movies is, is you know the villain and the and the hero are basically mirrors of, of each other they're they're either both really super strong or super fast or or whatever and uh uh and that's that that was aries in the wonder woman movie. i mean you know he's a god she's a goddess and they're just going to beat each other until yeah. one of them is and and killmonger and and black panther were kind of you know they both had the same suit on so they were both evenly matched and it just came down to to luck and and so forth but you know but then you get to thanos and he's the unstoppable force you know you, you won't be reckoned with you know he won't be listened to and, and that kind of thing so uh you know i i i would really like to see one of these movies do this do these things where the, where the hero and the villain are not opposites of each other they're you know something other than that but yeah, so similar like you can't tell them apart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Uh, any closing thoughts on? No, I think I've. Uh, I think I've said my piece. Okay. <laughs> I just. I looked at the clock and I'm like, holy cow! Yeah, holy time it's easy to get away. carried yeah. away. What has become like the big <laughs> cultural thing this decade? We've yeah. only touched half the list. There's so many movies I'd love to talk about, but uh, well, there is you one. Know what? Oh, we got to touch one really quick. What? I was just gonna say, like, if I've got a closing thought, it's that for all our complaints and comparing this and that, boy, it's a great time to be into comic books is, and yeah. or movies. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And into Power Rangers. Uh, yeah, yes, seriously. Because <laughs> uh, that's one movie we didn't touch on that I don't think was out since we last spoke with you. Uh, that's true. Yeah, what, it came out in 2017, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, what'd you think? I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, uh, it was very strange to be sitting in the audience uh, and hearing the name Zordon over and over and nobody looking. <laughs> uh, you know, when, when they had announced that, that um, Brian Cranston was going to play Zordon, I was like, oh, that's awesome. They, you know, they chose somebody of his, his caliber and it gave the character some seriousness and some weight. And um, I really liked the way the character was portrayed. And I liked the fact that he was a jerk 
at the beginning and and was just so focused on solving the problem that you know he he wasn't that sort of fatherly mentor that the tv show had but then he redeems himself you know at the at the crucial moment in the movie and and i thought the kids were all well cast rj seiler's billy was just the heart and soul yeah. and um rita was scary um i i miss I miss the boxy zords and the megazord. Yeah. Yes, definitely yeah. I, true. <laughs> I wanted my monkey face Goldar to be there, but hey, <laughs> uh, a big giant monster made of gold. I guess I, I love the fact that they they uh, backslapped her to the moon. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I, I, w- I wish they would have gotten to. Uh, them being in the suits sooner. I wish we would have seen them uh, kind of escalate, you know, the, the, the conflict with Rita rather than just a big showdown at the end. Um, uh, you know, seeing them, you know, and, and Austin and a number of other rangers have pointed out, you know, they missed it when they said it's morphing time. It went by so quietly and so quickly that it wasn't like the show where, you know, this was the moment, you know, it's morphing Mm. time. And the music was only there for a little bit and then disappeared. And, um, but overall, I thought you know, I thought it was, I thought it was a, a, a good, a good, uh, good rework, reworking for the time period. Exactly. I think that's the consensus. People were kind of blindsided by it. You think like, oh, I certainly a, was. It's a bit of a cash grab, right? It's like it's a known franchise. They're just trying to cash in on it. But I didn't expect it to like blow me away. But I didn't sure. expect it to be bad. I expected mediocre. Like, yeah, and it's, I, it's a movie, but... but I was really blown away with how well they did with it. Because I mean, you have to expect some level of you know cheesiness or oh, camp yeah. somewhere. But they took it and they just they did it so well. They did. Yeah. They 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 gave a damn about it. They did when it would have been so easy not to. So DC that, that could learn something from the <laughs> yeah, Power I think Rangers, so. right? But. Well, I just wanted to ask your opinion on that. I've been dying to know. And um, one thing I want to do really quick here is uh, just do a quick shout-out first uh, to Brooks' cousin, Oliver Ono, who just this last weekend they had a big yard sale and he got rid of a lot of his old toys. And boy, did he hand me down just a plethora of amazing Power Ranger toys. I collect toys, as uh, many of our listeners know, so I got a couple different Megazords, a few of these uh, actual old Rangers from back in the early nice. 90s. yeah. Yeah, very uh, exciting stuff. But uh, one of the things that was in the box here was, do you guys remember Golden Books growing up? Oh, mm-hmm. sure do. There's a Golden Book Mighty Morphin Power Rangers story here called nice. Food Fight. And <laughs> this is one of the books that uh, you guys, I don't know if they still make these, they probably do, but one of the books that has a, a strip of buttons down the side that as you're reading your story, you can push for sound effects to enhance your story. And one of these buttons here... David has your face on it. A cartoon version of Zordon's <laughs> face right on it. And so I went and bought batteries and put them in here. And I've looked, listened to some of the other buttons, but have not listened to Zordon yet. Because I thought we could all listen with you. Oh, you haven't you. listened to it yet? No. Oh, man. <laughs> the just, anticipation's killing me. Yeah. Oh, me too. Because some of these other ones don't sound too bad. I'll, I'll play some of them here for the listeners. Yeah, This one just has the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers logo on it. That sounds pretty good, yeah, right? It's not bad. Here's Rita's. Rita's, yeah. Here's Rita. <laughs> Are you able to hear those, David? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. I don't know what the idea behind that one was, but... Well, I mean, she did a lot of yeah, that's, that's yeah. hi, hi. <laughs> so, 
Here's one that shows the Rangers all flipping in the air. So That's the, actually my ringtone. So, okay. so the technology is uh, pretty It's not good. bad, all things yeah, it's considered. It's not beeps but, and boops. But we've got to know. All right. Uh, who would like to... Does somebody want to do the pleasure? I or think should I just, uh, you've been this patient yeah. with it. You're within, you know, arm's reach. All right. Here we go. The Zordon button. <laughs> oh, it's not even Zordon. Wow. Are you freaking serious? What a phenomenal <laughs> Was that really you? <laughs> that sounded like the command center. I don't know if it was me or not. But... What the hell, man? Oh, no. Oh, I was what a let so down. expecting Rangers. Oh, boy, I picked this up and dropped this down. I'm sorry, gentlemen. My day's ruined. Oh, well. <laughs> Unless, David, you make that noise for us really quick and make it sound really close. <laughs> Rangers, teleport to the command center immediately. Hey, there we go. That's the button. <laughs> yeah. That's the button. So did you pick up a copy of, uh, of Oddities? Did you pick up a copy yet? Not yet, no. Uh, we have a convention coming up here in the next uh, About what, three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah. And uh, SourcePoint Press, we've actually talked to a bunch of people from SourcePoint Press, and some of our friends with SourcePoint are going to be there. So mm-hmm. I'm ho- hoping to pick up a hard copy there. But um, let's just move right into talking about it. I wanted to first say how pleasantly surprised I was to find out that uh, Buddy Holly and the Cold Cold Ground is one of the stories in this book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, once once Cool Beans uh, went under, sadly, uh, and there were there were no longer going to be copies of it available. Uh, I I got the the rights to it back, and so I was trying to figure out a way to to include it in in some way and to get it back out there. And um, I had considered just uh, putting together these stories and then self-publishing it like I did with my superhero uh, novel, but uh, Josh Warner and and the guys over at SourcePoint said, well, we'd love to put it out for you. And so over the last two years or so, we've been... It's been with them going through the editing process and the formatting process, and and it, you know it, it finally got released. So I was very happy about that. Source point. We were t- uh, talking before we record the episode uh, that we started dealing with Source Point Press. What two thousand fourteen? Probably about f- three 14, and a half years ago. So. And just how they've come around, how they've grown. Man, is there anyone yeah. in the comics world busier than Sourcepoint right now? Yeah, when I, when, I, when I hooked up with those guys, like in, I think it was 2011, 2012, they just had like their Jack of Spades yep. and um, a couple of other things. And then they did that, that rampant, uh, rampant, rampant novel and then we did the uh, the the werewolf anthology that they did and um, so they're just a bunch of great guys. I really like. Mm-hmm. I really like. And they just recently took on uh, Bob Sally, who does the comic Salvagers, which mm-hmm. is amazing book. So they're uh, kicking ass these days. They That's are. The they're kicking I think, ass. Uh, didn't, are, don't they have something to do with Rotten Tail? And the uh, there's a film adaptation of uh, like oh, a yeah. What was it like Hollis Hollistar yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah. No, well, they got Hollister, yeah, which was a, a TV series on Fear.net or whatever that, that web channel was. But right, then, right. yeah, Rotten Tail is yeah. a take on Peter Cottontail, Peter, something like that, I think it was. Was it? I yeah, don't exactly. remember that. But it was going to be a movie with, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he played Parker Lewis Can't Lose back in the oh. 90s. 
yeah, the makeup that they showed on that guy was just fantastic. So. I saw a picture today. Yeah, that it is pretty awesome. I'll have to look at it. No, I haven't seen that. So just really quick before we get too far away from it, can you just give the listeners a brief description of what Oddities is? Yeah, it's it's a collection of three stories. Uh, so it's an odd number uh, where the title comes from, Oddities. Um, uh, it's three stories, that uh, two of which uh, have been in my notebooks for over 30 years that I finally just you know got off my tail and, and finished them and then rounds off with the the republished version of uh, Buddy Holly and the Cold Cold Ground. The first one is uh, called uh, Willie Conklin's Last uh, Last Night. Uh, it's a it's a story about uh, a group of kids, sort of in the vein of uh, uh, a Stephen Kingish Stand by Me kind of story, but told from the point of view of the bad guys, not not the good kids. Mm, okay. Uh, and the second story, Bad Animals, is uh, a vampire story that uh, started off as a short story that I had had an idea for in college that actually turned into a short film that we, we made in college. Uh, and then uh, I took the story and took it away from the scripted version and uh, uh, made it, uh, fleshed it out more and... and uh, uh, added elements to it and, and turned it into a full-length novella. So uh, you've got a, a story about bullies that ends badly. You've got vampires, and then you've got ghosts. So it's a trio of, of supernatural stories. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, I know for a fact you really dig the Buddy Holly and the Cold Gold Ground oh, sure. yeah. story. Oh, and David, thanks again for letting me uh, read that. No, oh, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you... Uh, have put final touches on that for this book is the version i read any at all different from the one that's now published in this book there is there's there's a little bit that's changed at the end not not anything to do with the story itself but uh some of the things that lincoln talks about um after it's all over have been changed um uh uh I know, I know it's not any spoiler or anything like that, but he, he talks about uh, a musician from Austin named Bob Schneider. I don't know if you guys are uh, familiar with him. No. Um, Bob Schneider has a song. Uh, the title of the song is King Kong, uh, which has nothing to do with what's actually in the in the song. But um, it's very pertinent to what actually happens to Lincoln's Lincoln in that story. So, I, you know, I, I don't have any rights to any of the lyrics, so I wasn't able to, to add it into the the song but uh just mentioning i think is is okay nobody's gonna sue me over that so (laughs) (laughs) how many times i've thought that very thing making this show they can't (laughs) sue me over that times we've hoped that very (laughs) now uh when we had uh spoken before about the story you'd mentioned that you were wanting to uh further lincoln bright's uh story and i'm curious do any of these other stories contain him or is uh buddy holly and the cold cold ground the only lincoln bright story in this book that's the only lincoln bright story in the book but lincoln's adventures are continuing and will be out next year awesome oh nice uh do you will that be on the source point label as well you think no no that's with another uh another publisher i see you'll have to keep us in the loop i uh, i definitely really like to le- uh, read that i'm a sucker for continuity Right. Anytime I can see something feed into a new story, I'm like, universe building. It's you got all the me. Rage. Yeah, <laughs> right. Now, I know uh, people can get this on Amazon.com, uh, also SourcePointPress.com. Is there anywhere else I should be directing people? 
Uh, Barnes and Noble has it as well. Barnes and awesome. Noble. All right. I'll write that down. Another thing I wanted to touch with you on quick, too. The last time we had you on, we had spoken about a movie that yourself and Karen Ashley had been working on, The Order. How's, uh, how's the production coming on that? Uh, it, well, I mean, it was stalled last January because uh, there were some issues with SAG, the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, so we had mm. to actually, we were we were four days from getting in front of the cameras to, to get everything going. And they stepped in and shut the shut the production down uh, over some uh, rules violations or something like that. So it was very disappointing for us to have everybody out there and ready to go. And then it, then it just stopped. And a lot of the money that, that Karen raised, uh, she had to return to the investors because of those rules that, that SAG, were, SAG was uh, about. But uh, Karen and I and the rest of everybody else is still committed to, to getting that going. And Karen plans to get it back up this November or December. And there's going to be something in the news very shortly uh, that has an order tie into it. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, uh, it's 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 not dead. It's still very much alive, uh, but we just don't have anything that we can uh, put out there for the for the public to consume at this time. But uh, sure. that that will change shortly. Well, we eagerly await. Absolutely. Yeah, well, what do they say? When people are fighting back, you can usually be sure you're moving in the right direction. Right. Well, I can't wait. Again, keep us in the loop on that yeah. as well. And again, to uh, people at home, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, sourcepointpress.com, all these different places you can get the book Oddities by David J. Fielding. And uh, be sure to leave reviews on the, on the websites with, when and if you do. David, I want to thank you so much for being back on the show with us. Is there anything else uh, we should be mentioning before we leave? No, I mean, uh, you guys are always such a, a great group to talk to and I, I love being on the show and and uh thank you for having me i appreciate that very much oh, we love having you on yeah. yeah we'll get you that free sub too absolutely <laughs> <laughs> where are you guys based out of we're in columbus okay do you ever get over this way at all uh i'm hoping to uh there was some talk about uh indie popcorn up uh, indie popcorn and then um i forget the other one but i mean there was some talk about it um i just We'll, we'll get together at some point. I know we will be there. Nice. Yeah, it would be yeah. awesome to catch up, for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. You bet. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candarepodcast.com, or you can check out our special guests, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, visit the Hall of Heroes, check out some of the videos from our YouTube page, click on the merch button and get some merch. And if you have any comments or complaints or you even like to be a guest on the show, send us an email on our contacts page. And once more on Twitter, we are at CandarePod, and you should absolutely follow our guest as well, at David J. Fielding. And then head down to Instagram, where you can find us at Canned underscore Air. Very nice, very nice. And I was uh, trying to do a shout-out earlier for uh, Brooke's cousin, who hooked me up with all this cool Power Ranger stuff and afforded us the the uh, the privilege of hearing <laughs> beeps and boops there. But <laughs> Oliver uh, Ono, he is a fan fantastic artist i cannot tell you how good this guy is he uh one year for christmas gave brooke a picture of a picture she had taken i thought it was just an enlargement it was an actual like painting it looked that good like i thought it was just a print on canvas guys fantastic head over to um instagram just at oliver ono or go to oliverono.com check out his work promise you won't regret it 
And uh, anything else? Again, Wizard World. You want 10% off those tickets? Use Candare, no space, at checkout. All caps this time. I, I think he was saying It'll it just, just type in caps automatically. Right. Oh, okay. It, so. yeah. Good, because I kind of missed the uh, lowercase no space thing. Yeah. We had I do on. too. It was, it was catchy. It was yeah. catchy in the, in the commercial where the kid gets punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. you know? Oh, that was a good time. I might leave it in there. You should. I might leave it in there, but I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm David J. Fielding. Zordo. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Tingles every time. time. (laughs) Thanks so much, everyone. there's a fire in your house be sure to get outside immediately and once outside get on candarepodcast.com well thanks for the tip blowtorch but just one question what about the fire and no one is half the battle G.I. Boy, we have a chopper flying over. There's a a bombing run out. (laughs) Let's wait for him to pass. Head on down to Twitter where you can find us as... That's weirdly phrased. Let me try that one more time. Sure. Uh, Gosh. If you want more Canned Air, head to Twitter. We are at Canned Air Pod. You can find all of our links, shows... Man, I am off my game today. So give me one more second. Third time's a charm. Yeah, here it is. Uh, I... uh, uh, (coughs) <laughs> excuse me i'm like they kind of coming up on five minute news i'm anthony davis you might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other but it's not it's just the truth and i think that's also something that's kind of unusual for americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the states has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.